Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we are reading Ezra 9 and 10. But before we get there, a quick announcement. Today is Friday, the day on which this episode is releasing. If you're catching us live, uh, it is Friday. And that means that there is a new episode of Join the Journey Junior coming out today. So if you've got little ones, kids, nieces or nephews, neighbors down the street, encourage them to check that out so they can hear the Bible come alive in a kid-friendly way. But all that said, I am here with today's adult devotional writer, Jacqueline West. Hey, guys. Jacqueline, so good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. You're welcome. I know this is a fun change of pace for you. You're not you're not used to coming on podcasts. Nope. <laughs> but I'm glad you you took the step of faith and, and you're here. And we would love for you to share just a little bit about how you're using the gifts God has given you to serve His church. Sure. So... I've been a member at Watermark for about 11 years now, going on 12. Amazing that it's been that long. Mm-hmm. And the Lord has really used this place to help grow and expand my view of Him. Um, I serve on the Believe team, and I've served on Equip Disciple. Both ministries have really ministered to me in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Equip Disciple has helped increase my intimacy with the Lord, and that's something I love to just pass on to other people who are looking for it. And the Believe Team is a place where I get to encourage people toward clarify and share the gospel. Mm. And so Believe Team is a part of the membership process in essence. Many people who have gone through it may not know that term, but essentially as people join Watermark and they become a member, part of that process is sharing their testimony. And they meet with people like you, Jacqueline, who serve on what we call the Believe Team. And you get to hear people's stories all day long, meet them, and, and hope, hopefully help clarify the gospel or any, what would you say, doctrinal questions they might have or questions about Watermark, if you will? Sure. Yeah. Like, we usually just let them know, it. like, we we want people going through membership to have a point of connection if they don't already. Generally, they do. Mm-hmm. Someone they can go to if they have questions. Um, and these conversations are also really important to help guide people going through membership to their next best step. And so we think about that as like, if they know Jesus, their next best step is to be a member of a local body and Mm. get plugged into community. But if they don't know Jesus yet, that is their next best step. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be sure that we're having these conversations with people to be able to discern what they need and be able to offer that to them via the gospel, via scripture. Totally. Because there's so many people out there who think that, be mistakenly think that becoming a Christian means joining a church. And so it's really a critical step to help make sure that everyone who's joining Watermark has heard the gospel and, and knows the gospel. It's it's really important what you guys do. So thank you for serving our church in that way and, and for caring for new members well. Yeah, absolutely. But we're limited on time. So I, I think we've we've got to talk about Ezra 9 and 10. Sure. And I would ask you, Jacqueline, what observations did you make as you studied this passage? So I had a few. I'll kind of go into the the first observation I had first, and that is high regard, like the people coming mm-hmm. back from exile had high regard for God's law. So what God commands is for our protection and blessing, not to satisfy himself, um, but because love is not self-seeking, but seeks the good of others. 
Like, that's why he gives us commandments. And so the this remnant, this group of people coming back from this captivity, they were more soft-hearted than those who had gone into captivity because their captivity had chastened them and helped them be willing to listen to God. So they were responsive when they were confronted with the truth of his word. Hmm. And in Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 7, which are cross-references sometimes, depending on your translation in, in these chapters, they both say, you must not intermarry with the people of the land. Um, Exodus 34 says, then you will accept their daughters who sacrifice to other gods as wives for your sons, and they will seduce your sons to commit adultery against mm. me by worshiping other gods. We saw this happen with Solomon when he married other foreign women. First mm-hmm. Kings 11, now Solomon loved many foreign women. He married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, etc. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. And then in the New Testament, we have a similar mandate that we see, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? So what translation is that? I love I love that. Don't team up with. I think this is New Living Translation. Yeah, that was great. They continually kind of update it. So we've heard don't be unequally yoked. Right. Um, so don't try and move in the same direction with someone who's going a different direction than you. Yes. Essentially. It's good. Um, and that has a lot of rhetorical questions, Second Corinthians 6 in it. Like, what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. So interesting how this mandate is reiterated again to us after the new covenant takes place. Mm-hmm. But they, when the people came back, they had not had regular exposure to God's law. And so Ezra had studied God's law and been intentional about teaching it and wanted to do that with the people. I think that's Ezra 7.10. And so he was confronted by some people when they came back, hey, the people are doing this, whether it was before, during, or after they got back to Jerusalem, we're not sure, but that was happening. And Ezra, his response is really amazing to me. He didn't condescend against the people. He didn't, he wasn't, afraid of their sin, like he wasn't threatened by how it would make him look. He immediately identified with it and went to God with it and pled for the people on their behalf and said, we have sinned against you, God. Like you have been kind to us not to punish us as much as we deserve. And we've still done this. Please help us Mm -hmm. and don't wipe us out, even though it would be fair for you to do so. And so like you can see in the passage, he openly mourns for the sin of the people and identifies with it instead of being like, oh, I can't believe you guys did that. How could you, you know? So I think it's just the humility of Ezra. And then I'll go into point two, like once Ezra was alerted to this sin, once the people were alerted to this sin, Mm -hmm. um, and he had counted himself among the offenders and pled for forgiveness on behalf of his people, they recognized that they were in the wrong. They started gathering around him. They were also sorrowful for what had happened. Recognition and sorrow over sin, that's something that, and confession for me, like I wish I were more sorrowful over my sin. Me too, candidly. Yeah, than I actually am. And I think that's something we can pray for to Mm. the Lord to give us. Mm -hmm. Proverbs 20, 12 says, ears to hear and eyes to see both are gifts from the Lord. And I think literally and figuratively, it's talking about like, yes, the eyes we have to see, Mm -hmm. but also the ears to hear the truth and respond to it. Jesus said, let he who has ears 
here. Mm-hmm. Like, pay attention to what's important. Right. You know? So good, Jacqueline. And then 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Mm. And honestly, I think that verse completely busts the myth that, quote, God just wants me to be happy. Right. End quote. Yeah. Because it's like, God wants to bless us. That means us live in his favor Mm -hmm. under his protection and care. But there, he wants us to be holy more so. And that often coincides with things that are, they'll they'll make us happy, but faithfulness to God and denying ourselves or turning back to him is often painful and requires walking through sad and hard things. And so um, I think that, I I thought that was interesting. Number three, true repentance costs us something namely what we think is going to satisfy us. Mm. So whatever we turn to in our sin apart from God that we want more than him in that moment. And this can be a hard passage to read because it implies the dissolution of families. Like we're talking about separation from Mm. foreign wives, Mm -hmm. right? But there's a difference between foreign peoples who assimilated into the Israelite community and way of life, who became citizens, who followed the way of Yahweh. Like uh, Rahab back in Joshua. Yes, and Ruth. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus what this passage is talking about. These were people who were living native in the land they were the Canaanites and the other peoples mentioned. Mm-hmm. They were actively maintaining their pagan lifestyle, sure. values, and practices. So they had not submitted to Yahweh. Right. And the Israelites were actively intermarrying with and them. And some of which I believe were as extreme as to be pro-child sacrifice. Like these weren't just, you know, they've got their little golden idol. There, there were some pretty perverse practices amongst these cultures. Yes. And early on in chapter 9, it says, the people of Israel and the priests and Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands, but have committed the repulsive acts of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, mm-hmm. etc. So they were being influenced to sin by these people. Yeah. And that, joining in. Yes. Uh, and that was just not God's will for them. Um, I did read one commentary that said, even though it's not mentioned in the passage, it's more than likely that the women and children who were sent away at the end of chapter 10 were adequately provided for. So it's not like there was a hard cutoff, like, well, never You're cast out on the street. Yeah, like, you're homeless now. Like, they were taken care of more than likely. But I really think this is possibly one of the clearest pictures of repentance I've seen in Scripture. And because what I noticed is, the, the remnant of returning exiles, again, high regard for God's law, were quick to take stock of how mm-hmm. they had broken it. Mm-hmm. Um, when they were confronted by it, they made a plan to turn from how they had broken God's law once they were informed of it. And their captivity, which they had just come out of because it was punishment for breaking God's laws mm-hmm. in these ways, um, had a refining influence on mm. them. It softened their hearts. This mm-hmm. was not the same generation that had gone into captivity. These were a chastened and spiritually, like, wakened up, woken up people. Absolutely. Jacqueline, you've shared some great reminders, some great challenges, and some great questions to just ask ourselves and reflect on what role does God's Word have in our lives and what role does sin have in our lives and how are we responding to it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing faithfully. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. 
The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.